Your guests will notice your toes to thank you. Call Zero Rest for a holiday carpet cleaning, just $33 per room, and your fourth room's free. December only. Happy holidays from your friends at Zero Rest. Call them at 801-288-9376. Time to talk a little jazz basketball with David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? Excellent. Look at you. Thanks for your thanks for your beautiful Christmas card and your fabulous family. Oh well. Right back at you. So two moves. How does it change the jazz? What are they gonna look like a month from now? Merry Christmas, something brand new for you to talk about. You gotta love that. Because I know I do. Um yeah, probably you love it more than I do. Um I have a, I have an easy job. I just talk about what they're doing on the floor every night. Um you have to discuss stuff. Um, so, I mean, I think Jordan Clarkson is going to be able to have a significantly larger impact than what Dante Exum was going to have. Um, Dante uh, was rehabbing again and was probably at a point in which he just needs to go play for 20 minutes a night somewhere and try to get his sea legs underneath him and regain some confidence and figure out what he can do and uh, make a million mistakes and get better from it. And that's just not something um, that, that was going to happen in Utah this year. And so they're just, you know, with this team trying to win games, you just did not have the the area for him to go do that for 20 minutes a night. Not to mention that the, um, I think there was a feeling, um, well, I think that's enough. I mean, I think, you know, so, and then I'm not sure what position he would have played with the roster construction the way it was anyway. Um, so it, there wasn't a path for him to get time. So if you're able, you're able to trade him. Um, if he doesn't turn out to be a player, you're out from under, you know, two years of his contract as well, which is pretty incredible. And you've picked up a guy who, you know, is a bucket getter. Um, his career in Jordan Clarkson is really an interesting one that as much as I love to go dig into every number and try to analyze a player, I find almost impossible to do because David, he hasn't played on bad teams. He's played on the worst teams. (laughs) He's played on teams that win less games over 82 games than Utah and BYU do in a college season. Almost every year. Like his Lakers teams won 21, 19, and I think 17. And then he goes and plays 28 games during the regular season with the Cleveland Cavaliers while they're making a finals run. Does quite well. I think he shoots 46% from the field and 41% from three and plays about 24 minutes a night and scores about 12 points a game. And it's really, and then has a, has a horrific playoff run where he doesn't, he doesn't shoot well and, and doesn't play well. And then by the end of the playoff run, the Cavaliers are swept. LeBron moves on to LA and guess what he's back on? He's back on a NBA team that wins less games than colleges. And I don't know I don't know how you evaluate a player who's been through that. I've always found it very difficult. It's you know, we always talk about the Sacramento Kings and well what happens if they player goes somewhere. On one level, it's easy to say you know what a player is a player is and, and how they use their individual possession won't translate one place to another. And, and I actually kind of fundamentally believe that. But I also think just on a human nature level that if you're, if you really care, like, so you're a great basketball player, you make it to the NBA and you really care and you really care about winning and you're going to go lose 60 of your 82 games, you better start caring about something else 
or you're going to go crazy. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how he, Jordan Clarkson, melds into this Jazz team, evolves his game or doesn't, and plays in games that matter. He's done it. He's been in the league for, I think, seven years. He's played 28 regular season games that matter. So those 28 games, he shot the three much better than he shot at any other point in his career. He's had a couple, like, you know, okay, 37% in part of the season this year, but there's a lot of 32s and 33s out there, which isn't good enough. But to your point, he was on bad teams. They probably, and I'm not watching him every night, but they probably weren't creating space, getting him open, catch and shoot threes. And you can imagine that on a LeBron team that's getting ready for another deep playoff run, he did get those looks, and he shot 40% in the regular season. Now the playoffs are different, but he'd never been in the playoffs before, and lots of players struggle the first time in their playoffs, so I can't even go nuts about that. So do you think he can be a a good three-point shooter? Because at 37%, you're pretty useful. And if you're at 40%, you can play in the NBA for a long time because everybody wants somebody who can shoot 40% from three, and most teams don't have two guys who can do that. So, so this is one area where I do think the analytics – and it's not even – that's such a silly word. Basic. Um, it's not even analytics. It's just basic numbers that are available to everyone at this point. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing super creative about what I'm doing here. But if you go look at Jordan Clarkson's numbers between his catch and shoot and his off the bounce three over the last four years, it's pretty dramatic. Okay. So this year when you, and, and this is to your point. So I think this is where he has to evolve a little bit. Or he just has to – so this year he's 40% on catch and shoot, and he's 30% if he takes a three off the bounce. Now, most people in the league are this, but this is a little bigger than most. Uh, last year was 37-27. The year prior was 38-30. Okay? So over since the 17-18 season, and frankly I can take it back to the 16-17 season, he's been 36% is the worst catch and shoot he was in 16-17. He's been, you know, nearly a 38 to 40 percent catch and shoot three point shooter, and he's been about a 30 percent or less off the bounce three point shooter. If he can skew that number now that he's playing on a better team and take more of those threes that are catch and shoots because this team will actually move the ball and he's playing on a team that does the right thing, then I think that those numbers are pretty real that he's going to be somewhere from 36 to 40% on catch and shoot. And that would be terrific. Now this team is so super that anything below 40 makes other than Emmanuel Moody, makes him the least good catch and shoot player on the team. I mean, the numbers for this team from a catch and shoot standpoint are just ridiculous, but that still has great value. Um, if you're, you know, over 36% on that. So that would be great. Um, and then I think, you know, he has a really he has a unique number that I do think anal- this again you know or that just shows you the player when and we saw it last night when he comes off two things about him in the pick and roll in his numbers one is he uses the pick almost every time which for our offense is really good that was you know if you go back to AB they're probably similar players if you go back to AB. Um, one of the struggles with A.B. was A.B. didn't like to take the pick, right? He, he, he would prefer to reject the pick. Well, the offense is really built that you're taking the pick and guys are spaced in certain spots and Rudy's rolling in the right spot. And I mean, they even now have plays where, you know, players are intentionally snaking behind the pick in a certain way, which mm-hmm. changes Rudy's role like they're really reading each other. 
Well, if you're if you don't know, talked to numerous players when AB was on the team. Used to say, "I love AB. I don't know where if he doesn't know where he's going to go, then I don't know where he's going to go." Well, if you know this guy's going to go off the pick because he goes off the pick, you know, ninety-seven percent of the time so far this year in a pick and roll, I believe he's gone off the pick. Um, that's great. The other one that's really interesting about him, David, is so far this year. When he goes off the pick, he goes to the basket 33% of the time. Okay, so, like, you've never heard that number. What does it mean? Donovan's 20%. Russell Westbrook is 30%. And Jordan Clarkson's 33% of the time he comes off a pick this year, he goes to the rim. So he's aggressive. All right, one last thing, then we got to let you go because Joe Ingles has got to pop on here real quick. Uh, Joe's coming so you're up saying next. That Joe, you're saying Joe's more important than that. That is exactly what I'm saying, precisely. You read me like a book. Joe Ingles is pretty much more important than all of us. So <laughs> I've, been, I've been known to give you a short answer. All right, but I want to ask you about Joe because obviously everyone's defending the pick and roll. You know, the emphasis now is drop the big man and take away the layups and dunks, right? And it makes it harder for Donovan to get to the bucket and finish. And it looks to me, and my untrained eye, like the answer to this, and we're seeing early in the game, is Joe's in the pick-and-roll. Now, he's a little taller, so it's a little easier to finish him inside. And when everyone drops, he's dribbling back out, reusing the screen, dribbling back out and taking a three off the dribble. You were just tweeting on the morning after Christmas about how hard it is for most guys to make off-the-dribble threes, and they're just not a very efficient shot. And he comes out and hits two against Portland right away, and I don't think he's had living. I think this is part of the plan how much am I right about this? How much am I missing? How much is this going to work to defeat this new strategy that the Jazz are seeing? Um, so if I see things in practice that I'm fortunate enough to have access to, I'm not allowed to talk about them. So why don't you ask Joe that question? <laughs> um, okay, that's an answer in itself. Thank you. <laughs> and um, the off-the-bounce three on Joe's is really the game-changer right now because he was about – to start the year, he was taking many more – off-the-bounce threes and catch-and-shoot threes than he had at any other point in his career. It was about even 50-50, and usually it was about you know, 80-20 or 75-25 to catch-and-shoot. And unfortunately, he was shooting 24%. He was about, for a period of time, there was the third or first, fourth worst off-the-bounce three-point shooter in the NBA. Um, he's worked really, really hard with Vince LaGarza on that shot, and it, that is the shot that you know, is when his catch and shoot goes in, it should not be a surprise to anyone. He's he's in a ridiculous level right now, um, and but he always has been, right? That's always he's always been elite in that category. Um, the off the bounce three that you're talking about and how he's working himself into that shot is something that's a bit different, and it um, and it is opening up opportunities for him. I have not updated this since I believe before the Miami game where he was good as well. But I'm guessing on catch-and-shoot threes, Joe is somewhere in the range of uh, probably something around like 14 of his last 20. That's ridiculous. That'll work, too. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. There, there are guys who can't do that he at was, the free throw. Going line. into Miami, he was 10 of his last 14 on catch-and-shoot threes. Yeah. So it, I'm just kind of guessing. All right, we're going to get Joe Ingles on here uh, momentarily. David, thanks for your time, and we talked to you for a few more minutes, but we literally <laughs> – we literally have a bigger name on another line. <laughs> well, wish wish him Merry Christmas for me. Okay. You had a chance okay. to do that yourself, but I can do that for you. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you, David. We appreciate it. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.